thought about, um, uh, not just over these past few weeks, but in really preparation for Easter, is uh, Jesus died on Friday night. Uh, everyone thought the story was done. The story was over. Uh, there was his followers, all of them completely deserted him. Uh, some denied him, one even completely betrayed him. Uh, but they were all gone, and they thought the story had ended. Uh, and there were some women uh, who were also following Jesus at the time, and they showed up on Sunday morning specifically just to take care of a body that was dead and beginning to decay. And as I've thought about this, I can't imagine what it would be like to show up at a tomb fully expecting that you're going to see a dead body that you're now going to care for, and you're greeted with this question as well as a very startling realization. As soon as these women showed up at the tomb to care for Jesus' dead body, they're greeted by angels, and in Luke 24 it says this, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Imagine hearing that question. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here, he is risen from the dead. I can't uh, honestly imagine what that would have been like to hear those words. Why are you looking for the dead amongst, he, he's alive, he is risen. Hearing those, that phrase, those words, he isn't here, he is risen from the dead. So these women take this news, this astonishing news, they go back to the disciples and tell, hey, we went, he's gone. He's gone, he's alive. Now, I don't know how long it took for Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus is the gentleman who is a Pharisee. He's the religious guy, he's the spiritual guy. Uh, I don't know how long it took for the news to get to him, but I can't imagine what it would have been like for Nicodemus because the last one who literally had his hands on Jesus' body as they put it into the tomb was Nicodemus. It was Nicodemus and another man named Joseph of Arimathea. I can't imagine what it would have been like for Nicodemus to hear the words, what? He's alive? Because the last time I saw Jesus, his body was dead, it was beaten, it was battered, it was bruised, it was completely bloody. So I can't imagine what Nicodemus is possibly thinking at this news that he is alive. He's the religious guy. He is the, the spiritual one, and he is the guy that came to Jesus um, prior to Good Friday. And he came to Jesus, and I don't honestly even know what question he had for Jesus. I think he was a guy who was just very curious. He's seen Jesus do all of these amazing things, and so in the late hour, uh, as not to be seen by his other religious Pharisees, um, uh, other men who were part of the Pharisees, Nicodemus comes at night, and before he can even get out a question uh, to Jesus, Jesus says this uh, to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, very truly I tell you, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And over the rest of the conversation taking place between Jesus and Nicodemus in John 3, Jesus is trying to help Nicodemus understand what it means to be born again. Nicodemus, up until this point, he is the guy who would have said, I'm all set. I am all set. I'm the religious one. I'm the spiritual one. I'm actually the guy that when people have questions about God, about how to know God, how to walk with God, how to have a relation, people come to me and ask me, what do I need to do to get all set? But I have a feeling as Nicodemus is having this conversation with Jesus and hearing Jesus say, you have to be born again if you're going to see the king of God, I'm wondering if Nicodemus at some point is starting to feel, starting to think, you know, maybe I'm missing something. 
Maybe I've been living my whole life doing one thing, but now one conversation with Jesus, maybe, maybe I'm missing something. I don't know if you've ever had that moment before where you just kind of, you woke up to the reality of what was your life, what is your life, and you're like, gosh, am I missing something? My freshman year at uh, The Ohio State University, uh, where I met my wife, um, it's Easter, I had to say something about my alma mater. I remember uh, freshman year, it was a really hard year, uh, and I was a kid who grew up in church for a better part of his life, doing, trying to do the right things, and, um, and I remember freshman year, I had this incredible realization, gosh, it feels like I'm missing something, because I was relating to God through an equation. I do this, I do this, I don't do this, I definitely don't do this, and it's all going to equal having a relationship with God. I do and I get. And I remember having that moment where, gosh, maybe, maybe I'm missing something, and I wonder if that's how Nicodemus was beginning to feel. And then Nicodemus, towards the end of the conversation, he's the first person to ever hear what we now know as 316. The first person who's probably wrestling with, gosh, am I missing something? Have I been going down this path my whole life and, and now I'm realizing, gosh, have I gone down the wrong road? Am I missing something? He hears Jesus say this to him, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We know this, whether you're in the church or not in the church, you just have to go to a football game to see the guy with the 316 sign. But the first person to hear these words, for God so loved the world that he gave, he sent his one and his only son, that if you, whoever would believe in him will not perish but have life, is Nicodemus. Now I wonder, with Nicodemus, when he hears the news that Jesus is alive, if 316 was brought back freshly into his mind and to his heart. Now, this morning, and really the brief moments that we have, I want to consider with you three words. Uh, and I really would invite you to write these words down because these are three words. Uh, this is not an overstatement. These are three words that I believe can change your life. These are three words that have changed my life. I think there are three words that even changed Nicodemus's life. So the first word that I want to consider with you this morning is, is this word, whoever. That's the first word, whoever. And I wanted to be clear on my understanding of whoever, to make sure I wasn't making this up. So I went to Webster's Dictionary, and this is how the dictionary defines whoever. Any person at all, no matter who. Any person at all, no matter who you are. So 316 John 3.16 is for whoever. It is for whoever. In one simple word, Jesus makes clear that the love of God is available to whoever. Not just the smart ones, not just the rich ones, not just the religious ones, not just the spiritual ones. In one word, whoever opens up to, it is available to whoever, so regardless of your background, your past, your present, regardless of what you've done or haven't done, heaven's invitation is for whoever. Now, just so you don't think I'm just making this up and you're like, well, Michael, you got lucky with 316. 
Like, that's probably not anywhere else in the Bible. Well, here you go. Here's a few verses that just scream the message of heaven to you in John 4. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the, uh, the water I give them will become, them become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Whoever, John 5, whoever hears my word, believes in him who sent me, has eternal life, will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Whoever, John 6, 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes uh, has eternal life. John 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And there's over 40 other references to whoever in the gospel of John alone. And that's just one book in the New Testament. The message of John 3.16, the message in the rest of scriptures, is that the love of God is made visible in Jesus, is available to whoever, regardless of gender, religion, race, social standing, economic standing, regardless of degrees and grades and positions and possessions and past or present performance, regardless of all of those things, 3.16 is for whoever. And this is the beauty to me in whoever, whoever also includes however. Whoever includes however, and what I mean by that is no matter where you are today, no matter the condition you're in, whether you're filled with doubts or fear or cynicism or sin, whoever means however you are. There is no need to try to clean yourself up and to make yourself more presentable somehow to God before you start a relationship with him. Whoever includes however, but whoever also includes whenever. And when I say whenever, the beauty of whenever is whenever you come, it is available to you. I don't know if you've ever been given, um, I don't know, like a gift card to a restaurant or maybe to a movie or to like a clothing store, and you go to the restaurant, say, and you're like all excited, it's a free meal, everyone loves a free meal, and you give your gift card, and the waiter or waitress looks at the card and like, I'm sorry, this card's expired. And you're like, man, total buzzkill. Like, I was expecting a free meal, but what I was given before that was available to me is now no longer, it's, it's no good. It doesn't count. And so what I love about however or whoever, it includes whenever. Now, I know for some, the thought of people coming to God in the last minute, it just doesn't seem fair, especially to some who would say, you know, gosh, I've spent my whole life walking with God. It just doesn't seem fair that someone could come whenever and that in their last moment, they could cry out. To be honest with you, I don't really want God to be fair with me because if God was fair with me, I would be separated from him forever. What I want God to do with me and for me is to be gracious and to be merciful. See, I'm one who has some personal experience with whenever. My, uh, my grandfather, um, he was a hard man. He was a really hard man. Struggled his life, whole life with addictions, and he was just a hard man. And my mom prayed for her dad for 50 years. 50 years. She just faithfully prayed, God, would you do something in my dad's heart? That would just soften his heart, that he would see his need for you. And I remember this was in my early 20s. I got a call from my mom. She said, Michael, this is, this is he's, he's at the end. I'm hoping to have one more conversation, so can you pray? 
And I just remember praying, God, please do something to soften his heart. Help him see. And I remember I got a call from my mom later that day just saying, Mike, you're not going to believe it. He finally admitted, confessed just his need for God and explained to me the story. And so I'm so thankful that whoever also includes whenever. I'm thankful that my grandfather is in heaven right now. Why? Because heaven's invitation is to whoever. Now, I wanted to be very clear and not to make the mistake or confuse anyone. Whenever, uh, with putting off today what you think you might be able to do tomorrow. Because there might be some, well, whenever means I'm going to wait till the very end. Well, I wanted to remind you that tomorrow is not promised to anyone. God has given you today to receive him so that your tomorrow will look so radically different than it does today. But I'm thankful that the invitation from God to you is to whoever, however you are, whenever you come. The invitation is for whoever. The second word that I want to give you. uh, Now, I'm guessing Nicodemus is already struggling with whoever because he's the religious guy. How can that include the people who are not? So if he's already struggling with our first word, whoever, I'm going to guess he's going to really have a hard time uh, with this next word. And the next one is just believe. We've got whoever, and then we've got believe. For Nicodemus, this had to be shocking because he's the guy who spent his entire life doing the right thing. He's the guy who spent his entire life trying to obey every single rule, every single law, every single regulation, and there are 613 of them. He's the guy who is like, I am doing all of these things. And I'm thinking Nicodemus, when he hears Jesus say, whoever believes in me, there had to be something in him say, well, did you mean to say whoever works for you, whoever performs for you, whoever does a great job for you, then they are going to have eternal life? Like there had to be something in Nicodemus where he's wondering, it can't be that simple. It can't be that simple. Are you really saying, Jesus, it's just believe it can't be that simple. I wrote it down in uh, my journal like this. What we believe about God will either lead us closer to God or further away from God. What you believe about God, it's either going to take you closer or it's going to take you further away. And sadly, as I think of things, there are many Nicodemuses in the world believing that what God wants from you is your best moral, spiritual, and religious performance. There are a lot of people who are viewing God as, I do this, I get this. I perform, I'm going to get this. But this belief about God is rooted in things that are just not true about God. What I love what Jesus does in the very next verse in 317 is he's trying to heal Nicodemus's wrong understanding of who God is. And John 3.17 just says this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Nicodemus, God didn't send his son to condemn. He actually sent his son to save. So 3.16 clearly says, Whoever believes in me will not perish. And I wanted to ask the question, well, well, why is that? And the answer is what we celebrated this past Friday, Good Friday. Believe in me will not perish. Why? Because Jesus took our place. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So why did Jesus have to die for sinners? And here is the answer. It's a 
powerful verse, 1 Peter 3. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Why did Christ do what he did? To bring you and me, the whoevers that would believe in him, safely home to God. The question I wanted to share with you or ask you before I share one final word is, is this. Is what you believe, is it going to bring you safely home to God? So you were created by God to know God and to live with God for an eternity. So is what you believe about God, is it bringing you safely home to him. For Nicodemus, his mind and his heart were just being rocked because he's hearing for the first time, it's not about doing something or performing, it's about believe. The third word that I would give you, if he's struggling with whoever, if he's struggling with believe, uh, then he's gonna have an even harder time with this next word, which is just a personal pronoun. And it's the word him. So we've got whoever, we've got believe, and then we've got him. And to be clear, the pronoun, the personal pronoun here in 316 is Jesus. What I love about 316 is that it is not an invitation to believe in a system. It's not an invitation to believe in a structure. It's not an invitation to believe in some religion or some philosophy or some idea or to believe in some abstract force. 316 makes it incredibly personal. We are called to believe in a person. Do you hear the words? Whoever believes in him. Not an idea, not a force, not a religion, not a system, not a structure, but whoever believes in him, and the him is Jesus. So here's the, the question for Easter. Is he alive? Because if he's not, then it would be ridiculous for me or for you to believe in a dead person. Do you know why? Well, because they can't do anything for you. Do you know why? Well, because they're dead. What is the point of putting your faith, your hope, your trust, your love, what is the point of believing in someone who is dead? They can do nothing for you. They cannot help your current predicament. And so this is the question. Is Jesus alive? The Apostle Paul wrestled with this question, and he said, if Jesus is not alive, this is 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And that makes sense. What is the point of having faith in someone who is dead? And he goes on to say, and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ, they're lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. I love his honesty. If you really are believing in something that's dead, you're to be pitied. And so if we put our belief in dead things, that's foolishness. And so this is the question. If he's alive, well, then our, our faith, our belief is not in someone who's dead, but in someone who actually conquered death and is still alive. Tim Keller wrote a great book called Reason for God. And uh, Tim Keller just powerfully and, uh, says this, if Jesus rose from the dead then you have to accept all he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? And I love that. That's just, it's an honest statement. If he's still dead, then why do you care? 
If he's still dead, then why do you even worry about anything that Jesus said? But then he goes on and he just says, the issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. The amazing news of Easter that the women discovered when they showed up to the tomb is he's not here. He's risen. He's alive. The amazing truth that changed the Apostle Paul's life is he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Tim Keller, again, same, same book, goes on to say, if Jesus really has done it, if he truly is risen, it means the story of the world, according to the Bible, is true. Jesus really is the Son of God, the true and perfect King. He came to the earth to die on the cross for us, and by trusting in what he has done, there we are spared eternal judgment and ushered into the presence of God for all eternity. So if he is alive, then the invitation in 316 is for all of us, for the whoever's to believe in him. Whoever believes in him, and to be clear, we believe in his person. He's the son of God, the redeemer, the Messiah, the savior. We believe in his perfect life. He didn't sin. He didn't sin. That makes him the perfect sacrifice. We believe in his death, that he died for sinners in their place, and we believe in his resurrection, that he is alive, which means we have life. So here's the thing. If you're a whoever that believes in him and the him being Jesus, then what awaits you? What, what is, where does that take you? If you're a whoever believes in him, where does that lead you? And the answer in 316 is eternal life. I know this is hard maybe for us sometimes to think about, but we weren't just created to live 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, 100 years, and then that's it. You were created by an eternal God to know him and walk with him and experience his love both now and for eternity. You were not just created for this, what scripture says is a breath, is a vapor, is a mist. You were created for eternity. And it's just a question then of where will we spend our eternity, eternal life in heaven with God or eternal death in hell apart from God? there's, There's two choices, two options eternity with God or eternity apart from God, heaven or hell. And 316, just the invitation is so incredible to whoever who believes in him. Kyle Edelman wrote a great book called Not a Fan. And in this book, he's wrestling with, what do you say about Jesus? Who is he? And he writes this, what if all of life comes down to this one question of who Jesus is? What if there really is a heaven and there really is a hell and where I spend eternity comes down to this one question? Now that may seem completely ridiculous, but if there is some part of you that considers this a minute possibility, then isn't it worth thinking through that question? You were created for eternity with God or apart from God. And 316 says the whoever's have been invited to believe, not in a religion, not in a system or a structure or a force or an idea, but in a person, in a him, in a personal pronoun named Jesus, who is the son of God, the savior, the Messiah, the redeemer. This morning, as we just finish our time, if you're a whoever who believes in him, then what does the rest of your life look like? And I wanted to encourage you and invite you and 
hopefully even inspire you to remind you, if you're a whoever who believes in him, then what the, your day looks like, what your tomorrow looks like is helping the other whoever's that are in your life who do not believe in him to believe in him so that they too can have the same life that God has graciously given to you. That is what my life, that's why I exist. Not to go through the motions of just trying to get through the day. Why I exist is to help the other whoever's in my life who do not believe in him come to know the amazing truth of who he is and what he's done. Now, if you're here today and you're a whoever who says, I, I don't believe, I don't believe. I was kind of like Nicodemus. I was more of the, the karmic version of God. I do and then I get. And hopefully by the end of the day, if my good outweighs the bad, then I'll be somehow good. I wanted to invite you today to simply say, I believe in Jesus. I'm a whoever who is declaring that I believe in him, in Jesus. Now, I mentioned this 20 minutes ago, but I don't believe in coincidences. Uh, I believe that if you're here today and you're a whoever, which you are, we're all whoever's, and you, you've not made that decision to say, I believe in him, I wanted to invite you to make that decision today. And like Nicodemus, who had to be wrestling with the question, it can't be that simple. It can't be just believe. It's got to be, yeah, I get believe, but then I got to do something. No, you don't. You don't. Mike, I can't just believe, then I've got to try. You don't. You don't have to do that. The message in John 3, 16, the message of Scripture, the invitation from heaven to you is whoever believes in him. 